0: Okay, so in case you're newer here and you haven't heard us talk about this, um, Church 2.14 was actually named, we have a meaning for our name, it was named after the Bible. We we felt like that was a good idea to name a church after the Bible. Um, And we actually took the name right out of Acts 2, verse 14. And in that passage, um, the apostles, so Jesus has ascended to heaven, the apostles are stepping forward in obedience to build the church for Jesus. Okay, and so as I began to prepare for this series called Miracles, guys, I had a plethora of content to choose from in my own life. I feel like God has had this pattern in my life of miracles and of healing, and so there was not any shortage of material, but I started to study God's word about what it, what's your word say about miracles, and for some reason, I kept thinking about our church and our name, and so I thought, you know, I'm going to really focus on the book that we're named after, and do you know that the Book of Acts is jam-packed, full of miracles? Like pretty much, if you took the miracle stories out of Acts, there'd basically be almost nothing left. Okay, and so I just thought, may that be us? May we be the church that lives up to our name? You know, uh, Phil talked last week about how Jacob lived up to his name, and that it was in a in a not in an awesome. Situation, and so God actually renamed him. But I thought, we're named after the book of Acts, which is full of miracles. And so I so hope that we live up to what our name means. And um, you know, the thing is about miracles when you hear someone tell their miraculous story, oftentimes you'll feel like those Jesus chills. I call them Jesus chills. Um, Or you feel like a little bit of hope rises in you, or it maybe even increases your faith. But the thing about a miracle is that when you experience it personally firsthand, it changes everything. From that moment on, nothing is ever the same. Okay, so no matter what your miracle looks like, it changes your perspective. But the thing that I want us to be so tuned in on today is the fact that God allows miracles in my life and in your life for his sake and for his glory. And so we are going to explore what that looks like. I think, though, that expectation, our faith, our expecting God to move, is the breeding ground for God to do the miraculous. I really believe that in my own life. So we, as a church, I want to tell you, we've experienced multiple miracles in the three and a half years that we've existed. And um, but if you're newer here and you're like, "Wow, I kind of missed the good stuff. I should have come three years ago." God is not done. I think that He is just starting. And I think that this series is just reminding us of what he's done and the fact that he's going to continue to move in really miraculous ways. So you are here right on time. Um, November 19th, 2017, just a couple months ago, we were celebrating Church 214's third birthday. So we had pie and balloons and it was awesome. And I was standing right there and we're worshiping and I felt so clearly God say, year three, there will be miracles. And I thought, oh, what does that mean? And so I grabbed my phone and I wrote it down because I have mommy brain and I didn't want to forget the phrasing. Um, but guys, you can call me crazy and you might think I'm crazy and I don't really care what you think, but I believe God. Like, I believe that he's going to do that. I believe that the word he gave me was to confirm in my own spirit, like, I'm not done. I'm, we're going to press on. We're going to move forward. And we're going to continue to step out in faith and believe that God is going to continue to do that. So if you're here today and you like to take notes and you like tidy points, here is point one for today. Obedience sets the stage for the miracle. So our church was founded on a step of obedience. Um, When God first spoke that we should start a church, a couple of us responded, no, thank you. Um, And then we kind of got in line and realized we better obey. Um, It was an act of obedience, and we didn't know what it was going to look like. But the thing about obedience, I'm only 35, but I was raised in a family that really impressed upon us the importance of obeying, not just our mom and dad, but authority and the voice of God. The thing about obedience is that an act of obedience from three years ago, you guys isn't going to cut it today. Okay, so I'm a mom. I have a six-year-old. And if my six-year-old ran into me and I gave him a set of instructions and he said, hey, mom, you know, I'm really not going to do that because do you remember when I was three and I obeyed that once? That's not going to cut it. So as a mom, I'm always giving instruction and direction and clarification for my children's growth. And God the Father does the same thing for us, for his children, for his church. He's constantly given us sets of instructions that we may step forward in obedience. So the things that we obeyed three years ago were awesome, and God brought us to this point. But now we've got to go, God, what are you saying today? And whatever he says, we've got to act on that, and we've got to obey. I also, I was in a ministry at one point where um, obedience was really pressed, but it was legalism. So I want to be clear. Obedience is not legalism. If you are obeying for the sake of following a set of rules, you probably have a legalism problem. And you're going to need God to work that out of you. Because it's not going to line up with the heartbeat of God. It's going to line up with a list of rules. Okay, so obedience is not legalism. I want that to be super, super clear. Obedience is actually worship to God the Father. Now, I've got to be super upfront. I was preparing this. I wrote, I finalized this message on Monday, and there was this portion in there that didn't make sense to me, but I knew God had prompted me to put it in there. And so Tuesday morning rolled around, and my brother Chris called me. Chris is one of my favorite people to talk about the Word of God with because he's super tenderhearted, and so he cries a lot when he's talking about God's Word, and it makes me feel tough. Um, So no matter how much I cry, I know he's going to cry more. Um, but Chris is, this is the interesting thing about Chris. He's so in tune with God's word, and he, as I was thinking through different people in my life, I'm almost sure he probably reads the word of God more than anyone I know, more than I get to read it, Um, and the fruit in his life is so evident. It's so evident, like the humility and the peace and the joy that comes out of him makes me know that his interpretations that he's hearing from God is something that I can, I can trust, and I can go, yes, that's confirming to me. So Chris calls me up, and he's like, hey, this might seem totally random, but he's like, I was reading, and I felt like God um, told me that obedience is, is worship. And I'm like, wait, that sounds really familiar. Um, this is what he said. He said, hearing from God and then walking in what he says in obedience, That is worship. He said, worship is Abraham taking those steps toward Mount Moriah, fully intending that he would lay everything on the altar, which was his son. And he said, the worship was not the offering. The worship was those hard steps of faith, of obedience that led to this moment. So Chris is like, Heidi, I just felt like, I, like worship is obedience. And I went to my notes and I thought, there's a section I feel like wasn't finished. And it was when I wrote down that worship is obedience but I felt like it wasn't filled in yet. And so I, w- I just thought it was so cool how God used Chris's voice to speak to me and fill in the gap of what I felt was missing. So I want you to hear this. Abraham heard God's voice, and then he took steps of faith to obey, and then God spoke the miracle. Okay, point two. God's voice is the miracle. The very core of our Christian faith is built upon a miraculous act right off the bat Genesis 1 3 it says and then God said let there be light and there was light so God's voice was breathing the miraculous so the very beginning of his word it's like we cannot miss it is God speaking to create God speaking to cause miraculous things to come into order God's voice, you guys, is so central to our faith. We cannot say that we believe God the Father and not choose to listen to his voice. So we've got to become familiar with what it sounds like. And if you're sitting here and you feel discouraged because you're like, I don't, I don't know if God's ever spoken to me. I don't know what it sounds like. I wouldn't know it if I heard it. That's okay because everyone starts somewhere. But I want to share personally with you A few ways that God speaks to me. And for the sake of time, this is not an extensive list. There are many more ways. God is so creative, and I think he tailors his voice to how you hear. But this is how he speaks to me, and I hope that my example can just help encourage your faith in this. So three ways that God speaks to me is one is through God-inspired thoughts. Number two is through voices of others. And number three is through reading his word. Now, these are not rocket science. Okay, but for me, this is how God works. Carson's example is just a a quick example of how I heard God's voice. Now, Carson walks in, and I don't know if her story is going to be on the podcast, so for the sake of the podcast, Carson walks in on Sunday morning. I greet her. Carson, how was your day? Uh, How was your weekend? And her family said it wasn't great. She had a diving accident. She holds up both hands. They're fully bandaged, like from the tips of her fingers down to her arms, And she's like, you know, I've got some severe injuries here. And this is where God's voice comes into play. I so clearly felt him say, pray for her, pray for no surgery. Now, it wasn't an audible voice, and I wish it had been because that would have been awesome. (laughs) But it was this thought. That wasn't my own thought. And the thing you've got to know is I don't really know Carson's family all that well. They've been attending this church for a few months, um, so I've seen them on a weekly basis, but not I don't know them intimately. And the thing is, like, had it been someone I knew really well and I knew where their faith was, I wouldn't have had any intimidation to speak to them and say, hey, can I pray for your daughter? Oh, can we pray for something that in the natural seems impossible? Um, Because by the looks of her hands, she actually needed surgery. Um, I mean, it was bad. It was not a pretty sight. Carson, I'm so sorry. They're really pretty now. (laughs) Really pretty now. But that was an example of a God-inspired thought. So we pray, and I said, like, we're going to pray that there's no surgery requ- required. Like, I know how difficult surgery is to recover from. So I thought, God, you you do this. So that was a God-inspired thought that was the voice of God. Okay, we're going to come back to Carson's story in a little bit. But first, I want you guys to understand um, the importance of our faith and action for the sake of other people. Okay, so we're going to read Matthew 8, starting in verse 5. You can turn to your Bibles or you can follow on the screen. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and he pleaded with Jesus. He said, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, no, I am not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. He goes, I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. So I only say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slave, do this, they do it. Then Jesus heard this. He he was amazed. Turning to those that were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. I have not seen faith like this in all of Israel. Jump down to verse 13. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. So guys, this story, I love this story so very much. Um, It actually makes me shake in awe of God's word. There is so much here that we have to notice, and I've got to just choose a couple things that I want you to see. First of all, have you ever thought about the the fact that your faith, you personally, Christy, you sitting there, have you thought about the fact that your faith can amaze God? Like that's a pretty powerful thought. So The officer's faith amazed God. So the God who breathes miracles, the God who speaks to create, the God who allows us to hear his voice, that God is amazed by your acts of faith. That to me is profound. This mere man amazes the creator and the savior of the world. So in case you missed it, do you know what that means for us? That means that you have the ability, I have the ability to amaze God the Father with a simple act of faith. I want to be that person whose faith rocks God. Who goes, you guys are not going to believe what Heidi's asking for. Oh, my goodness, like where heaven trembles because I'm believing. Okay, and I want you guys, the church, I want you to live up to the name that we were called, which is a book full of miracles where God goes, hey, guys, we need to step it up. We need a whole host of you to show up at Church 214 because we're going to move in a massive way. We're going to show up because there's a ton of people asking for miracles, and we're going to give a ton of yeses. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to be that person, and I want you to be there right alongside me. So the second thing that this story, this story stirs in me is the Bible doesn't tell us if that servant, the man who was ill, if he personally believed that he could be healed. It does not go into detail of that. It does tell us that he was healed despite what he may have felt. So he was paralyzed. He was in pain. He probably felt like it was a, hopeless. Stephanie shared her story, that pain, that hopelessness. But then someone steps in and their faith changes the situation. Jesus healed that servant because of the Roman officer's faith to believe that God could simply speak the miraculous and therefore it would be done. So friends, your faith, it changes the outcome for other people. That person sitting next to you whose life is a wreck, yeah, your faith is enough to fix that situation. Not in your power, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the power that you believe God is working the miraculous through your obedience. And that's the thing about obedience is it worships God the Father. It points other people to give God glory for the things that he is accomplishing. So whatever God asks you to do, I think this year is going to be monumental for this church. And whatever he says, please obey. Please be listening, because his voice changes everything, and he is breathing the miraculous. Point three. Thanks, Chris. You're so encouraging. <laughs> I love it when Chris is on the front row. Point three. If God prompts it, just pray it. Okay? If you've got questions, pray it, and then ask later. Okay? Galatians 4.6. He says, because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call Abba Father. So God asks us to speak to him. He says, call out to me, speak to me. And the reason we can hear God's voice as I'm reading this verse, this just popped into my mind. The reason we can hear his voice is because he's within us. And that's why we can get God-inspired thoughts is because he's within us, okay? So it's not our own thoughts. So when God speaks, listen, and just like Abraham did, take steps of faith and obey, no matter what it looks like. Okay, so um, 14 years ago, I felt God prompt me that I needed to start believing for a really big miracle, and it was for someone else, but it intimidated me, and so I kind of tucked it in my back pocket, and I, I did obey, but I prayed, and I prayed privately, and I didn't tell anyone about it, because um, in the natural, it's, it's impossible. Um, so a few years later, I got the guts up to finally, like, pull my husband in on this. I thought, I don't, you know, I don't want to keep this from him, so I pulled him in on it. And I'm like, hey, um, I felt like God told me I needed to pray for you to be miraculously healed, and I know that's impossible medically. Um, I married into a medical family. I was raised in a really strong faith-believing family, so those worlds collided, and the medical reality is that you can't cure type 1 diabetes. There's so little research. There's so little advancement in this, but I knew what God said to me. He said, pray for Kip to be healed, and so I told Kip, and then I didn't tell anyone else because I was worried that if it didn't happen, then I would look like a fool, but God, I feel like he starts at impossible because then he actually gets the glory for it. And so for 14 years, I've been praying and believing, and this is where the second way God speaks to me comes into play. The second way God speaks to me is through the voice of other people. It's usually to confirm what he's already said to me. So about four, three or four years ago, I get a text message from my sister. She's in Sydney, Australia, and she says to me, I am shaking because i'm pretty sure god just told me she's like don't freak out i think god just told me that he's going to heal kip and i said i know he he told me that too 14 years ago and she's like why didn't you tell me that i said cuz i was intimidated and i thought you guys would think i was crazy and But God confirmed to me that I had to press on in faith. I had to press on in boldness. No matter what the medical side said, no matter what the medical paper said, I had to go, God, I believe that you can cause a pancreas to be awakened in the name of Jesus. And if I believe that, my faith could potentially change the outcome, just like the Roman soldier for the servant that was ill. So this is an act of obedience to God, that we're believing for this. The third way I want to briefly mention is that God speaks to me through his word. Now, I try to be really consistent reading God's word, and with three little kids under the age of six, sometimes it looks different than others. But here's a couple things I do. I keep this green pencil in my Bible. It's a colored pencil, Um, and I like it because it's not a highlighter, so it doesn't bleed through to the next page, but I keep it in here. And when I'm reading God's word, if something stands out to me, I highlight it. And then I oftentimes will write a note, like whatever it is God's speaking to me, I'll write that note in my Bible. And the very cool thing is then when I go back and I open up God's word, I'm reminded like, oh my gosh, yeah, I remember that God spoke that to me on March 29th. And wow, we were praying for a massive miracle that day. That was a big miracle. And I noted right here the things I'm believing for. And I'm reminded what God is speaking to me in his word. And so that's the third way God speaks to me is through his word. So open God's word because it's alive and it's active. And so it's not something that is just for times of old. Like it's still working today. And we get to claim those promises. Now, um, talking about the voice of people encouraging our faith and telling us that God's spoken, the other day I was finalizing this message. And, again, I was talking to one of my siblings. And he said, hey – Kind of of crazy, he said, but I was was reading in the book of Amos, chapter 5, verse 21, and he's like, this passage hit me so strongly. He's like, you've got to read it. It's so interesting. It's about the fact that God doesn't want our religious acts. He wants our true worship, and he's going on and on about this. And I was like, wow, that's really good. And then 24 hours later, I was up at 5 a.m. with my daughter, and I thought, you know what, this is really early, and I feel a little bitter about it, so I'm going to turn on a podcast um, and drink my coffee and let someone else encourage me right now. And so I turned on this podcast that I had never listened to before, okay? Never subscribed to it before that week, and I just randomly hit play because that was the most current one. And the guy comes on and he says, today we're going to talk about the passage from the book of Amos, chapter 5, verse 21 through 24, You guys, Amos is not my most consistent read. (laughs) Did you all know Amos is even in the Bible? Right? God is so detailed to speak to us in the ways we need to hear. I had never, I don't think, ever had someone tell me to read the book of Amos before. And then twice, from two totally different settings, God said, here's what I want to say to you. And it was good. If you want to read it, you can. As we talk about this, like, we've got to talk about God's timing in the miraculous. We have to realize that God's timing is almost never ours. We're in this generation where we love Instagram. We love everything to be instant. We want our internet to be faster than a split millisecond. Like, if it can be faster, it should be, right? But that's not how God works. He is not going to bend to our crippled culture. He is going to remain committed to his ways and to his time. And I know this because his word told me this. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, he says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God is so, so different than us. But yet he speaks to us in ways we can understand, and he puts his thoughts into us. I want to jump back to Carson's story really quick. Carson's proof of her miracle, like, God, we pray that there's no surgery. That came in less than 24 hours. That surgeon said, no surgery. So, so Carson's family had to agree, like, this lady might be crazy, but we're going to let her pray over us, and we're going to believe in faith that God could do this. So we prayed it, we said it, and Stephanie's faith was increased. You know, God went, I'm going to help you with your unbelief. I'm going to increase your faith. And when I talked to Stephanie, I said, do you think this was just for Carson's faith? And she said, oh, no, it was for my faith to be reminded of how he works and how faithful he's been to us. So it increased her faith, but it also served to give me further understanding of God's voice, because had I not obeyed that prompting, had I just shrank back and went, oh, I don't really know them very well, I don't want them to think I'm crazy, I would have missed the opportunity to help them recognize the miracle when it was spoken. It may not have changed the words of the doctor, but it changed their perspective so that when they heard the words, they went, whoa, That had to have been God, okay? So that miracle was a response of obedience to a faith-filled prayer. That's what I think anyway. And the coolest thing is that sitting up here, God gets the glory for that. God gets the glory for that miracle. So sometimes the answer comes within 24 hours, like almost like Instagram. And sometimes it's a lot longer process. Like 14 years in, I'm still praying and I'm still believing. I'm sowing prayer after prayer after prayer, faith-filled prayers. If you want to join me, I would love for you to join me in this. Believing that God can heal Kip of something that the medical industry says is impossible. Galatians 6 is the chapter that encourages me about this. It talks about the fact that we will harvest whatever we plant. The thing about a harvest, I've got some good friends that are farmers, and this past harvest, we got to go and ride along in um, the combine. My three year old calls it the cornbine, which I think makes perfect sense. The cornbine. We got to ride along, and we were harvesting, and it struck me I thought, you know, had Ethan in the spring, when they planted, had he planted, and then he got out and he stood on the edge of the field, and he went, This is so stupid, nothing is growing. Like, that would have made no sense. He wouldn't have been a farmer because he understands that God's time is not our time. But that's the thing about harvest is that the fruit is never apparent until the later season. So I'm planting prayer after prayer, believing that the fruit of my faith is going to be a harvest of healing for my husband. Fourteen years in, there's another miracle I've been praying for for two decades, and I'm not going to give up. I'm believing that this is the year for that. Guys, whatever you're faithfully praying for, faithfully, keep on praying, keep on believing, keep on trusting that God is going to work on your behalf. Jesus simply spoke and that servant was healed. That's the very point. God's voice is the miracle. Heather shared in week one of this series that the miracle is not about us. It's actually about God. And I agree so wholeheartedly. I thought about that all week after she preached that. And I thought, Is is God self-centered? He's God-centered. He's a father that tells us, here is what you believe and here's what you do, and he does the same thing. Like, that's parenting 101. Don't tell your kids to do something that you do differently. Like, let them follow after what you do, right? So God is God-centered, and I want our faith to be God-centered so that the lives of others around us can be changed for God's glory. Isaiah 48, 9, and 11 says, yet for my own sake, for my own honor, for my name, I'm not going to hold back my anger and wipe you out. I I have refined you, but not as silver is refined. Rather, I've refined you in the furnace of suffering. Suffering indicates that there would have been a need for healing or a miracle. He said, I've refined you in that furnace. I will rescue you for my sake. Yes, for my own sake. I will not let my reputation be tarnished, and I will not share glory with idols. So God says four times in that short passage that he is going to get the glory, that it is for his sake. But he is so gracious to pull us in on his story and to let us see a glimpse of who he is. There is no one I would rather him be centered around than he himself. So I want to give God some glory for some incredible miracles that have happened over the last few years in this church. Carol was born after years of praying. God showed up and answered. And Adam was healed spontaneously of chronic shoulder pain. In a moment, he stepped forward in bold faith with his wife and he was healed. And then my son Crosley, he had a dangerously high fever. And I was so desperate, so we came to church despite the fever. And someone stepped forward in faith, and they prayed over him, and this fever was gone. And he was running circles, as they do in this place. Marianne suffered an illness. There was grave concern for her health. And Jesus stepped in, and even her doctors said, I don't know. It had to have been a miracle. And then I had broken ribs in my back last year. Broken ribs are not a joke, oh, my word. And I would literally, I'm not a crier, which is crazy, because now I'm crying. But um, my husband had to lift me in and out of bed. And it was horrific. I was nursing, so I couldn't take any pain medicine. And like the worst pain. And for seven days, I lived with those broken back ribs. And it was so excruciating. And then in a moment, I felt this hand on my back. And I felt a warmth down my spine. And I turned around thinking maybe my husband had walked in, and there was no one there. And I was healed instantly. And I walked down a flight of steps, which I hadn't done in seven days, and my mom is standing there serving my family because I couldn't. And she's like, what are you doing? And then my husband came home from work, and he went, what? But that's how God works. And there's more, you guys. David and Taylor are expecting a baby. Glory to God. Thomas and Katie's marriage was healed. Yeah, there's another marriage that's being healed in this very season. There was a heart that was healed physically. There are spiritual hearts that have been healed. Guys, God is not messing around with this church, and I want you to step in and be a part of what he's doing. He's been so faithful and so good to us, and I believe he's going to continue to speak those miracles as we step forward in bold faith, whatever he says we do in this season, okay? Because we are going to be harvesting the faith that we've been planting for the last three years. It's harvest time, friends, okay? So our obedience is worship to the name of God. As I close, I got to share this. The book of Acts starts with the greatest miracle you could imagine, which is Jesus being resurrected from the grave. That's what we're named after. And then he shows up to his disciples to prove that he's alive. Guys, I think that he is showing up to us in miraculous ways to prove that he's alive within us. Okay? That he's going to continue to do the miraculous for us and for those around us as we have faith to believe for others. So those miracles are fruit of obedience. And our obedience is worship to God. Your miracle might just start with a little step of obedience. Whatever it is, please have the guts to believe that God's speaking it into you. And if you don't, talk to me. And I would be happy to increase your faith by encouraging you in this journey. So I want us to stand on our feet right now. And I want us to just give God some glory right now for what he's done in this church in the last three years. I want us to give him glory. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's give him some glory for what he's done in this church. It's only Jesus. So we're going to praise and we're going to sing and we're going to say, God, we trust in your voice that you speak to us and we're going to allow for you to cause our faith to rise in this season as you continue to breathe the miraculous for us. In the name of Jesus, I pray.